showers of mercy and grace. And, and that's really kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. There's, there, there's a place where you can go to receive showers of mercy and grace to help you in everything and anything that you need at any time. And, and we're, we're, we're called to live in that place. We're called to live in a place where, where, where we're just receiving mercy and grace to help us in our times of need, which is pretty much most of the time, right? And Jesus became our high priest. Jesus became your high priest to, to bring you into that place. Jesus became your high priest to bring you to into God's presence or to the throne of grace as it's referred to in this passage. And so really everything that we do as a church, our goal as a church, my goal in, in sharing with you, with you this morning, our goal as a church is, is always and forever to bring you to the throne of grace. That's what the work of Christ, the person of Christ, everything is to point us to the throne of grace, to bring us to God, to live our lives at the throne of grace, to live our lives before the throne of grace, constantly receiving from God all that we need for all of life and all of our needs and all of our hang-ups and all of our problems and all of our temptations and trials. We're just continually receiving from God at this place. And so... We want you to be a person who is finding grace. We want you to be a, a, a person who's receiving mercy and help from God. We, we, we want you, our, our goal as a, as a church, we, we want you to know how to, how to go to God, how to go to his throne. We want you to know how to, how to talk to him, how to listen to him, how to receive from him all that you need for life. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart that we are, we are to be people that are constantly, daily, finding in God all the sufficiency that we need for everything in life. Amen. We don't want you to be, or we don't want you to live life as, as a frantic, unhappy, frustrated person. We don't want you to be running on empty full of unmet needs. We want you to find grace at the throne of God. We want you to receive mercy at the throne of God. We want you to, to find and experience all the mercy, all the, all the grace, and all the help that God has for you from his throne. And... Don't misunderstand him. I mean, we all have needs. We all feel those needs. But, but we're, not to, we're, not, we're not just to live in a state of unmet needs. We're not to just live in this state of, of insufficiency, insufficiency. Like we're just desperate and frustrated and everything's going wrong and we're nervous and fearful and frantic and all of that. We're, we're, that's not where we're supposed to live. We, 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 feel, the, we feel the needs, but we're... We're to, we're to come to the throne of, throne of grace and, and to receive showers of mercy and grace falling on, on our face, on our lives. And I, I like the phrase falling on our face because it, it does change the way your face looks 
if you're receiving mercy and grace. If you really are going to the throne and, and receiving that, it, it, it cha- changes your, your, your countenance. Uh, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. There's, a, I, there's, a, there's an author I've been reading some, George MacDonald, and he has a character in one of his uh, books that's it's a pastor, and he's looking out on the congregation, and please, please, don't, please don't think I would ever do this, but he, he was looking out on, on the congregation, and he, and he made this comment. He said, their faces have fallen into the shape of their thoughts. And it's, it's one of the most convicting thought statements I feel like I've ever heard. It's just because it's so true. Our, our countenances, our very, our very faces actually get formed into the shape of our thoughts. And, uh, you know, it's, the Bible says they looked to him and were radiant or their faces shined. And, uh, boy, so all your faces are looking a lot better all of a sudden. Wow, <laughs> praise God. No, just... But everything, everything in this passage, everything in this passage is, is, leads us uh, to... To this, to this final goal that we may receive. I mean, there, there's, if you follow the logic of the verses, it's, it's kind of a long string of logic, and um, it, uh, uh, it, it all ends at this one point. It, it all directs us. It all leads to this one place that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The NIV says to help us in our time of need. And this help, the, or the logic of the passage, which we're going to work through, but the, this help is available, this mercy, this grace, is available to us through Jesus, our high priest. And so we are encouraged to have, to have boldness. We're, we're encouraged to, take, to have initiative, to take initiative, to have confidence, liberty, to come to the throne of God, or to the throne of grace, and get this help. So not to be too repetitive, but the, the statement just says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And this is a wonderful promise, first and foremost, because we need help. Is there anybody here that does not need help? Okay. I mean, we need help. We're, we're, we're confronted we're confronted with outward needs, okay? There's outer needs around us. There's needs in our, you know, we, we look outside of ourselves and, and we see problems. We see, uh, we see circumstances that we don't like. Uh, we see problems in relationships. Uh, we feel shortages, that there's just something that we feel like we need, that we feel like we're short of it. Uh, we face, you know, unresolved problems. Those, those are probably the biggest challenge for me. I just hate things that aren't resolved. I just want everything to be fixed, you know. And so it's just trusting, you know, trusting God when there's, things are unresolved. But we, we have outward needs. We have outward needs daily, and we have daily inward needs. We have needs in our soul. We have needs in our mind. We have, we have needs in our affections, in our attitudes, we have needs in our emotions. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I really don't like what is going on inside of me. Sometimes I don't like how I feel or how I'm thinking. I need help. I need, I need help from God's throne. We need help. 
There's an old hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour, I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. And the interesting thing is that that the more that we live life with Jesus, okay, and, and, and the more you really want to please him, okay, and the more that you really want to walk, you actually really want to walk uh, hour by hour, moment by moment, in love and in joy and in peace, the more that you really want to walk in that, the more keenly aware we we become of our need for help, right? The more that, that we want to overcome sin, the more that we want to just overcome our own selfishness and our self-focus, the more that we want to overcome the devil, the more, the more keenly we are aware that we need God's help. And we need help from God because we were, we were created with a need for help. I mean, from the very beginning, we were never intended to live life on our own limited resources. We were always intended to live life with God. We were always intended from, from creation to live life with God's help. We were, we were created to be fellow workers with God, with God always providing the help and the strength and the victory and the fruit in all that we all that we do, I mean that's that's how we're how we're supposed to live life. Um, Paul said in First First Corinthians three, uh, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. For we are co-workers in God's service. So, and that's true of all of us. You know, we get up in the morning, uh, we we do whatever it is we do. You do whatever it is you do. The things that are before you, you, you work, uh, we, so to speak, we, we plant and we water, but it is, it is God. It is God's help which brings the fruit. Uh, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I mean, whatever we do, we, we need God's help and we do it with God's help and, and that's, that's the way life is supposed to work, um, it's, God, it's, it's God's help that is able to make you sufficient for life. And if you're, if you're, if you're feeling like you're insufficient for life, like you're just, just barely making it, then just what we're talking about this morning is really where you, where you need to focus. It is God's help that makes... Things work that gives fruit that makes us sufficient. Paul said, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything that's coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. So, you know, we, we, we live life in this state of needing help, but also receiving help. It's there. And when we try to live life without God's help, it, it literally causes us to break down, sometimes physically, sometimes uh, emotionally, sometimes even more severely mentally, but try, trying to live life really wears you down. I mean, it, it, really, it really saps you. It really saps your inner life. It saps your joy, your happiness, your sense of freedom, your sense of sufficiency. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a bad thing, in other words. Okay. 
So learning to confidently trust God for his help, learning to, learning to go to the throne for help in virtually everything, it's, it's the way that leads to life, okay? There is a way that leads to life, all right? And this is it, okay? And any other, uh, any other way leads to death. It, it, it leads to inner death, spiritual death. It, just le- it leads to every, every other kind of problem. And so learning, learning to confidently go to God, learning to confidently go to the throne of grace, learning to confidently go, trust God for his help in virtually everything is the way we live. And, and this, this is not a hopeless cry for help. You know, sometimes I was telling, telling Cindy, you know, she said something, like, well, yeah, all the time I say, God, help me. And I, and I say, but it, th- there's a way to say, God, help me with confidence. We go to the throne of grace with confidence that we're going to get help. There's a way of saying help that is just a cry of desperation that really has no faith in it at all. It's just, it's just almost, I don't, know how I, I don't know how I describe it, Cindy, I don't remember, but anyway, it's just, it's, it's kind of a cry of unbelief. Just help, 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 I'm desperate. It's not, but it has to be linked with this attitude of, of confidence that we're going, going to a place where we can get help, okay? Uh, hope that, hope that makes, makes sense. Part of the reason, and I'm going to work through this passage, so just you know, just just bear with me because there's a lot of really important things in here. But part of the reason that we can be confident that God will help us is is just that fundamentally, God is a God who helps people. I mean, God is a helping God, uh, and this might be a life changing revelation for you. It could it could be. But just as, just as God is love, God is holy, God is good, God is a helper. God is a helping God. Uh, the Bible says God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, saying, saying that God is our refuge, that he is our refuge, that he is our strength, that he is our very present help in trouble, they're, they're, those are all just kind of different ways of expressing that God is a helping God. That's Psalm 46.1. David said, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the helper of my soul. That's Psalm uh, 54.4. It kind of goes back to what I just said earlier. You need need God to be your helper in things that are going on around you, and you need God to be your helper with things that are going on inside of you, don't you? God, the Lord, David said, the Lord is the helper of my soul. So, you know, remember that. That's powerful truth. It really is. If you believe that, it's really powerful. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, God himself speaks to us and he says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Right in that verse God says, don't be afraid, I will help you. Again, we see this, this uh, God's disposition, so to speak, or his, his intention, his, his default position, so to speak, is to help, is to be a help. Is, is, is to, I will help you, I will strengthen you, I will help you. Uh, la- later on in Hebrews, of course, 
Hebrews 13.6, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And not, and, and not to pile verse upon verse, but man, these verses are just so good. Um, Psalm 121.1, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And there's a lot of different places you can turn to for help. There's a lot of different ways you can try to figure out life. There's a lot of different ways you can try to become sufficient for, and deal with and cope with all the stuff you're going through. There's a lot of different things you can turn to. But the, the, that psalm says, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth, by the way. It's a pretty good place to go for help. And so it is, it is God's very character to help. So not to get too mystical, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here that, that I think is really important. And it really blesses my heart just to think this way. Uh, but I hope, hope I don't lose you with this. But when, when you look up into the sky, or when you look out around you, uh, when, when you look up day or night, when you look up into the sky at night, in the darkness of night, or when you, when you, when you look into the space around you, maybe even right here in this room, um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're at home by yourself doing whatever you do or your place of work or in your car, when you, when you, just, when you just think uh, of the space around you, there, there is not emptiness or merely matter, molecules, and elements, but there is a personal living God who is there. And he wants to help you. We live and move and breathe in him. You know, where can I go from his presence? The, the universe, the universe is filled with, with a loving and merciful God who is inclined to help you in your time of need. So in a sense, if, if through Christ, obviously we're going to get to this because it's only through Christ, but... But in a sense, we, 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 we don't live in this lonely, cold, empty, um, unloving, meaningless universe. We, li- we live in a place where, 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 where God dwells. And he, he, fills, he fills the world and he's inclined to help us in our time of need. And so it's like the song that we sing, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Uh, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of your love. Well, the same can be, can be proclaimed about God's help. I mean, I, I can't, can't quote it, but you know, Psalm 139, David talks about, you put your hand, you know, you're in front of me, behind me, you put your hand on top of me. It's just like, it's just like we are surrounded with a loving God who, who wants to help us, wants to support us, wants to be our, our strength. And so we, we are not calling up upon a God that we must beg to help us, you know, against his will, somehow talk him in to being our helper. Uh, you know, like the, 
story of, uh, in the Old Testament. We don't, we don't need to cut ourselves with knives and shout louder and louder uh, like those who are tr- crying out to their God, Baal. No, the Bible reveals that he is looking. He is looking for those that he can help and support. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's always on the look for the, so that he may strongly support or strongly help those whose heart is completely his. God's looking for that. He wants, he wants to have that place in your life. He wants, he wants to be your support, your strong, strong support. And in a very real sense, we need God's help all the time. Uh, but there are situations and seasons where we keenly feel our need of help. And God's help is, is especially manifested at those times. Psalm thirty four eighteen says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And if it, 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 when, when you feel most keenly your need of help, I mean, when you feel most, most beaten down, most lonely, uh, most broken, God is the, he's the nearest at that time with his help. And our passage this morning refers to times of need. It says that we may receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need or in our times of need. So however often you, you feel need, no matter, no matter how overwhelming that need feels, or no matter maybe how small the need seems, but it's still a need... God is still there. He has committed himself to his people to be their helper. He is our God. We are the people of his pasture. We are the flock in his care. And he has committed himself to care for you uh, like a shepherd, a good shepherd would his flock of sheep. But... And there is, there is kind of a but here because we, we, need we need, what we're going to move on to is really, really important in this. And, and actually, everything that I've said up to this point would, be, would, would really be leaving out something really important if we didn't move on. Okay? So why should we have confidence that God would respond to our cry for help with mercy and grace? Uh, why, why should we have the audacity to think that we, as fallen, weak, and sinning people, can get this help that we so desperately need from a holy and righteous God. Well, that's, it's because we have a remarkable high priest in Jesus, which is the basis for this confidence. I mean, God's... God is disposed to help. I mean, he's, that's his inclination to want to help, but this help is really only provided through the high priestly ministry of Jesus, and it's, it's the ministry of Jesus that gives us this, this kind of audacity, this initiative, this boldness, this confidence to go get this help. And this passage gives us three uh, revelations of, uh, about Jesus that I, that I want to spend a little bit of time on. First, 
is in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. The Bible teaches there must be a mediator between us and God. And this mediation or this this go-between, this mediator, that's the high priest. That's the role of the high priest. And Jesus is our high priest. And the the gospel, the, the basic gospel message is that Jesus alone is able to bring you and me Jesus alone is able to bring us into an uncondemned state of friendship with God. Okay, Jesus alone is able to bring you in a state of uncondemned friendship with God. He brings us to God so that he can be our God, we can be his people, so that we can be the people he helps. And he has done this by becoming our high, high priest. In the Old Covenant, the, the high priest was, of course, a human being. And he was a human being. He was a man who went to God on behalf of the people. And in, under, the old, under the Old Covenant, um, the people of Israel, their, their appeals for forgiveness of sins, for help for their needs, went through this high priest. And as good as this system was for a time... God's purpose, God's final purpose was that his own son would be our high priest. And so the point is that we have a such superior high priest. Because we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. Okay? That's a, that's a pretty good qualification, don't you think? We, I love that. I, I don't know if anybody else likes that or not, but I love that. We have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. There's, there's never been a human high priest anywhere in history, in any country, in any religion, who has passed through the heavens. But our high priest has. And one, one translation says, who has penetrated the heavens, or who has entered heaven. And so what does that mean, or what's the significance of that? Well, while God is present everywhere... Heaven is, a, is the place where God's power and his glory is centered, so to speak. Heaven is the place where God's power and his glory is fully on display, where his will is fully carried out. Heaven is the place of God's throne. Uh, God, again, I say God fills the universe, but there's a sense, this revelation in the scripture that, that God is is on the throne. He rules from, from a throne, from a throne in heaven. And so heaven is the place of God's throne. It's, it's the place from which God rules. Uh, it's the place from which God's power and love and mercy and grace is poured out. Uh, John, in the book of Revelation, John said, I was in the spirit and there was before me a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Obviously, that was a, that was a reference to God. Amazing statement. And the writer of Hebrews calls this the throne of grace. It's, it's the place where God is. It's the place where grace is found. It's the place where all grace and all help comes from. Whatever help you need, whatever, whatever you need to be sufficient for life and for your life with Christ, your life as a Christian, it comes or it's found 
at the throne of God, at the throne of grace. And Jesus entered heaven, or he, he passed through the heavens. He penetrated heaven. Jesus, through the sacrifice of his body, through his work on the cross, says that he tore open the access to heaven and entered this humanly uh, impenetrable or inaccessible place and he is right there in heaven today in the direct presence of God. And Hebrews 10.19 says, We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Okay, that's maybe a, a long, that's a beautiful verse, man. I hope you know that verse, man. I, I think of that verse all the time. Jesus opened up by his blood a new and living way that he opened up for us to God, to God's presence. And so, so we have, that gives us confidence to enter the holy place. So he opened up a way for us to the throne of God. He is there in heaven. He passed through the heavens. He's there in heaven today to represent you, your needs, your problems, your weaknesses, your need for help and temptations and trials. And, and he, he, is, he is there before the Father in heaven. We, we have a high priest, not on earth, not a, not a human man. There's, there's no spiritual guy or guru or pastor or priest or man, any place, anywhere on earth that we look to. We've got a high priest that passed through the heavens. Secondly, he points out, the author of Hebrews points out that our high priest is Jesus, the Son of God. And this communicates the uniqueness of Jesus, his unique privilege. There is, he's, he's standing before the throne of God, and he's God's own son. Um, he is not just a priest selected out among, from a group of human beings. It's not like all these guys are lined up. He says, okay, you're going to be the high priest. No, I mean, Jesus is unique totally unique. He is, he is the one and only. He is God's own son, and, he, and, and he, has, he has privileges as a son. He has full access to God, to all the mercy and grace that we need. Um, he has access to the Father and to all the storehouses of heaven. So, the author of Hebrews says, so then, let us hold fast our confession. All right, what's that mean? It, just, it means let's let's hold fast to what we believe. I mean, let's not lose our grip on this at all. I mean, let's not go backwards. Let's go forwards. Let's hold on to to what we believe. We We have something great in Jesus. We have something great in our high priest. Our salvation is great. Our Savior is great. He's, he stands before the throne of God. All we, all we need for life is available to us from the Father through Jesus. Don't let your confidence in Jesus deteriorate one bit. Hold fast to the things you believe. With, with resolute heart, remain true to the Lord. So Barnabas went back through the, to the churches and he, he called, he, that's what, that was his message. He called on the people. He told the people with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. So 
So boast in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Don't cool down. Don't let your confession cool off. Uh, if any, you know, just keep, keep your confession bold and strong and louder and, and firmer. Okay? All right, then the author uh, reveals the third truth about Jesus, our high priest, which gives us confidence to come to God's throne. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And this just simply points out how Jesus, as our high priest, is perfectly suited for us. He's perfectly suited to be our high priest. He's exactly the kind of representative that we need before God. And so Jesus, our high priest, having passed through the heavens, even right now this morning, he's sympathizing with with us, sympathizing with you. Jesus sympathizes with you in whatever you're going through. He sympathizes with us, especially in our weaknesses, but he is sympathetic to your needs, to your struggles, to your battles, to your trials. if you feel like things are hard, he knows that. He sympathizes with you. He knows how hard it is. He knows the weariness that you sometimes experience. He knows the discouragement that you might feel at some time during day or night or in any situation. And he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to, be, to feel a pull to, to do or think or say something you shouldn't do or say or think. You, you and I uh, have, have struggled with, with thoughts and desires to do things or say things or think things that we would not want anybody else to know about. Jesus knows and understands that, and amazingly, he's sympathetic. He sympathizes with us because he was tempted in all things as we were, of course, yet without sin. So he had... He had similar temptations that we have to pull us away from God, to pull us away from the path of righteousness. He had temptations to quit, to give up, to turn away from the cup the Father had for him, and yet, yet he never caved into any, any of that. And so the author goes on to say, now with, with such a high priest, let us draw near with confidence. Okay, we're kind of coming full circle back to where we started. Okay, because of this high priest, with such a high priest as this, let us draw near with confidence, or therefore we should come with boldness to the throne of grace. So we're not only we're not only encouraged or just told you know draw near to God. Uh, we're not only commanded to come. To, the, to God's throne, we, we are cold, told to come there in a certain way. We're, to, we're told to come before God's throne conf, with confidence or boldly. Uh, I don't think that means we're supposed to come flippantly or irreverently, but we are to come with, with complete liberty because we know that Jesus, our high priest, we know that his atti- attitude toward us is sympathetic. We know that he sympathizes with us, so let us come without fear. And I think this attitude is very, very important. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not sure that you're welcome someplace, uh, we usually don't go there, right? 
Uh, we don't, or at least we don't want to go. We might go there, but we really don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, we shy away from, from that. It makes us nervous and fearful and uncomfortable. Uh, but because of Christ, because we have such a high priest, we are, we are, we're, not, we're not told to, st- to, st- to stay away. You know, we're not told to stand back. But we are, because of Christ, we are told to come right, right up to God. We're told to come right up to the throne of grace without cowering in fear, with confidence that we are welcome there. And it's, it's not merely that you have the option to come with confidence. Uh, it's not merely that you can come with confidence. Uh, really, the, 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 uh, the command here is that we must come with confidence. Let us draw near with confidence. We must come with confidence. This is the way we come and get help. Uh, this is the way we experience God's mercy and grace. It's, this is the way that you experience the resources of heaven in your, in our, in your daily life. And I, I mean, I dare say if, if, we don't, if we don't come to God with this kind of initiative, in, in, this kind of, in a sense, audacity, this sense of confidence, if we don't come to God that, with that kind of boldness, then we're not, we're, we're not going to live in this place where we are enjoying the, sh- the showers of mercy and grace and God's help just flowing down over our lives. It is not confidence in anything about ourselves. It is not confidence that we are so special or that we are so sincere or that we are so important. It is confidence in our high priest, Jesus. Because of who he, because of who he is, therefore, let us come with confidence. Let us draw near with confidence. It is confidence in his perfect performance as our mediator. Reading a book on preaching by a guy named Lewis Allen, and he said that ministry is the battle against mistrust and misapplied confidence. Uh, And I, I thought that was so true. Just think of ministry... And in a sense, it is true. I mean, every message that, we're, that we give up from front, it, in a sense, it's a, it's a battle. It's a battle against mistrust and misapplied confidence. Uh, we're, we're fighting against the wrong, the, the things that people put their trust in that they shouldn't, and we're trying to, to redirect people's confidence and trust to what it should, should, should be in. And so, so ministry, in a sense, it's a, it's a constant uh, struggle to wean, wean people off of trust in themselves and others and other things and, and to generate this kind of great confidence in Jesus. I do think a lot of people try a lot of different things to, to open the windows of heaven, so to speak. I really do. You know, I think people are always looking for something, some way... To how, how do I open those windows and, and get, get the downpour? <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's, it's either misunderstanding or not knowing how, how fully Jesus opened up the new and living way for us. 
We just, we just, we just need to, to be confident and satisfied with the, with the new and living way that he opened up for us. And there's, 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 there's nothing else that needs to be done to open the windows of heaven for you. You just, you come confidently through Jesus to get it. And there we find help in time of need. Um, I, I just want to say one, I want to add one word to that. There we find real help. Okay? This is not just a spiritual ex- exercise that we go through with no results. I think, I think we're, sometimes we're so used to putting the word of God in just kind of a outer space academic, theoretical kind of statement. No, the the whole tenor is that, no, we we have needs and we we go to God confidently to the throne of grace and we actually get help. We We receive mercy. We find grace that helps us in our need. And that includes every need that we ever have, every, every lack that we're keenly aware of. It, it, it points this especially to the needs that we have when we feel like we're being tested and tried and, and tempted. He gives us the help that we need to go on. So if you're in, if you're in trouble or you're concerned about anything in your life, you, the direction of this passage is to confidently go to God's throne through your high priest Jesus and ask for help in your time of need. And the implication or the statement is that you will receive help so that we might receive help in our time of need. In other words, you will get it. We go to God and I can't explain how how it happens, but we go to God and and, and with your need and something happens Something happens. Something happens in our, in our heart. Uh, and all of a sudden, we, we know and we experience that we're being helped. We know and experience that we're being supported. Something changes in our heart. Uh, many times, something happens in our circumstances, and we see that God is sending help. Uh, we, we find that that, that that temptation to quit or to give up we find that that's overcome. And we find our inner person is renewed in hope and in courage. Um, Psalm 23, he restores my soul. We, we go to God for help and, and all of a sudden we find our soul is restored. We find our life is revived. We, f- we feel like we're dead and then we're, we're resurrected. We get help. We go to God and we get real help. You find, you find strength to run your race. Um, you find your inner person renewed in hope and in courage. Or, or a solution comes to you from somewhere that you didn't expect and, and that issue, that concern gets resolved, your need is met, you get help. It's real and it's from the throne of God. Uh, David, David said, my heart trusts in him and I am helped. You know, and that, it's... it's we, we need to actually believe that. I mean, that needs to be our confession. I, my, when I trust in the Lord, I am help. I actually get help. And to know God as your helper it makes all the difference in the world. It, it changes your whole outlook look on life. It changes how you think, how you speak about your problems and your needs. It changes how you come across to others. Uh, it changes you. 
and it, and it changes your testimony. Uh, David, David said, one last quote from Psalms. Uh, David said, says, I have become a marvel to many because the Lord is my strong support. I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, wow, God is so helping me that not only amazes me, it actually amazes other people too. You know, it's just, it's just that, it's, it's something that, that real. So our goal as a church is to call you to live, and it's our goal as a church because this is Christ's goal in his work on the cross, is to call you to live before the throne of God, drawing near to him, always and continually receiving mercy and finding grace to help all the time. It's, it's, it's a way of life. It's, it's a, we go from, from hour to hour like this. this. This is the true life that we are called to live in Jesus. Then I'm going to wrap up. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to quote the words of a song by Charles Wesley. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off your guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. With confidence I now draw nigh. And Father, Abba, Father, cry. So I just want to ask you this morning, are, are you living your life at the throne of grace? Is that where you live? And we all kind of live somewhere. In our hearts, in our inner person, we all live somewhere. Are you living your life at the throne of grace? Or, or are you living your life at the throne of your own needs? Or are you living life at the throne of your fears? Are you living life at the throne of your, your problems or something else? There's all kinds of other places you can live your life. The call this morning, the call of, the, of, of God's Spirit to us is to, is to live our lives at the throne of grace.